Man, what a great job. Well, good to have you here today. Welcome. Uh, in the first service, we honored a couple of uh, uh, veterans of honor, soldiers of honor. Our quilters make these uh, quilts uh, for our veterans, those who have served, and uh, we presented one to Brother Tabor. Well, today in the first service, there were two men who were recipients of these quilts of honor, J.E. McKinney and B.J. Caperton, uh, worthy men who are great men of our church and uh, fought to protect our freedom. Uh, we're certainly thankful for these two guys and uh, for all who have served, and we're thankful for America. Amen? Amen. Good deal. You bet. Today I'm going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. I'm going to continue my, my series uh, through the summer months on the parables of Jesus. Uh, I've, I've kind of called it piddling in the parables, but I guess we're doing more than that. Uh, the biblical term is pondering the parables, all right? Uh, and I want to uh, thank those who are watching live stream. I'll remind you, if you're on vacation or happen to be gone, uh, you can just get on uh, KavanaughChurch.com and live stream this second service and, and watch us online. And uh, I know that uh, some of Angie's family are watching today, so uh, shout out to you archers who are watching. Uh, uh, God, God bless the archers, all right? And uh, my new friend Charlie, a shout out to Charlie as well. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, uh, listen to this, beginning in verse number 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at a midnight hour and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on the reading of your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak this into our hearts. Dear Lord, I pray that we would be challenged and motivated to become a, a people of prayer. And dear Lord, there are many today who need to become reacquainted with you through prayer. May that happen through this service. 
And dear Lord, at the end of the service, I pray that all of us would be willing to come and pray boldly in your presence. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what we've been doing over the last few weeks is looking at some of the parables or life stories that Jesus told. And in this story, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Now, I'm sure there are times, just like the disciples, that we really don't know how to pray or how we should pray. There is nothing that makes us feel more inadequate than praying. And yet, there is nothing more absolutely imperative than that we pray. And like the disciples, if we ask Jesus to help us pray, I believe He's going to help us. The the Lord is faithful to do that. For the first thing we see is that, number one, Jesus teaches us to pray. Look again at verse number one. Now, it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, notice the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them to preach or to work miracles. They realized what they were really needing help with in their life is prayer. And there was something about the way in which Jesus prayed that caused his followers to, to yearn for more in that area of their own life. I'll just have to be honest with you, if there's one area of my spiritual life I struggle with, it, it is a constant and consistent prayer life, right? Uh, I really do pray that the Lord, Lord, teach me to pray. Help me to become a real prayer warrior. Help me to pray unceasingly. Help me to pray always at all times. I know there are going to be times in our lives when we really need to pray. All right? And when those times come, we don't need to have to get reacquainted with God. We just need to be able to plug into that power source. And so they realized they needed more expertise in this area of prayer. And so Jesus taught His disciples to pray, not only through His own experience, but also through His own example. Jesus was a man of prayer. He depended on the strength that came through His prayer life. The Bible says that Jesus would often escape to solitary places, and there He would pray. Our passage indicates that it was after one of these regular times of prayer when he was praying in a certain place that his disciples saw something powerful in his life that was missing in their own life. We know that Jesus prayed alone, but Jesus also prayed in the presence of others. Jesus also prayed during the crisis moments of his life. He spent 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting before he engaged in his public ministry. Uh, Jesus prayed before making important decisions, like choosing the 12 apostles. Sometimes Jesus would take others with him to solitary places to pray. Like when he took Peter, James, and John with him to pray on the Mount of Transfiguration, or in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed. Why, Jesus even prayed while he was hanging on the cross. Just knowing this about our Lord should deepen our own hunger to pray as Jesus prayed. 
It should cause us to long to experience that kind of intimacy that Jesus had with the Heavenly Father in prayer. So Jesus taught His disciples. And Jesus teaches us to pray by His example and also by His instruction. Verse 2, He said to them, When you pray, say. And with that, point number 2, Jesus teaches us what to pray. Notice that Jesus says, When you pray, not if you pray. Alright? When you pray, and then he teaches us what to say when we pray. And then we have Luke's version of the model prayer. Now, I read it out of the New King James, and I'm going to read it again out of the New King James. If you're reading out of that version or even the King James, you have the expanded version of this prayer that we read in the other Gospels. But in the original text, in Luke's Gospel, it it was a a shortened version. Uh, Let me read it out as it appears out of the New King James, the expanded version, the one that we're all familiar with. Jesus said to them in verse 5, let me go back. He said to them, verse 2, When you pray, say this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this morning, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this model prayer because most of us are pretty familiar with it. I think the most important thing for us to note this morning about the model prayer and the content of this prayer is that it is so God-centered. It's all about you praying to God. Jesus said, when you pray, here are the things that need to be involved in your prayer. And he includes such things as worshiping God. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. You need to include in your prayer praying for other people as well as praying for yourself. But the whole thing is a God-centered prayer. So Jesus teaches us to pray. That is, it is important to pray. He also teaches us what to pray. The content of our prayer should model this model prayer that he gave. But he also teaches us how to pray. And that's what I want to spend our time on this morning. How to pray. Now, I don't know, when Jesus gave this little model prayer, maybe his disciples were wondering, how can we be that bold? I mean, how can we pray to God that boldly and and pray a prayer that, that honors God in that way? How can we pray boldly and ask God's kingdom to come? How can we be so bold as to ask God to meet our daily needs? And how can we ask God to forgive us? And how can we be bold and ask God to lead us? Jesus must have known that. So in response to that, Jesus tells this parable about being persistent in prayer and being bold in prayer and having confidence when we pray. The little parable begins in verse 5. He said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey. And I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. 
I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence or his boldness, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, Jesus begins this little parable like he begins many parables. Suppose one of you. That was just the common way Jesus introduced parables. So as Jesus often did, he set this real-life story alongside of one of his teachings so that people could understand what he was saying. Here he's teaching about persistence in prayer. He's talking about being bold in prayer. It was an image or a story that they could all easily identify with. And what it involves is a man who is awakened in the middle of the night by the sound of someone pounding on his door and shouting something. Now, in modern times, this is not anything that any of us would look forward to, is it? I mean, if somebody calls you in the middle of the night or somebody is beating on your door after midnight, it usually means bad news, doesn't it? My phone often rings while I'm asleep during the middle of the night. Or sometimes I get a knock on the door and any time that happens, I it's bad news. Something bad has happened. And here we go. But in this life story, Jesus tells about a man who is awakened by a neighbor or a friend who needs to borrow some bread. <laughs> and maybe peanut butter. He's had an unexpected visitor in the middle of the night. And his pantry is completely empty. He has absolutely nothing to feed his guest. Now folks, listen. It is one thing to be awakened in the middle of the night by a neighbor or a family member or a friend who's just had an emergency and they really need your assistance and they need your help. Maybe you don't like being awakened in the middle of the night, but if there is an emergency and somebody is really hurting and there is a desperate need, you don't mind getting up and going to the hospital or going to a family or helping someone, do you? But I'll tell you what, it's a little bit different when somebody's beating on your door and waking up your family in the middle of the night just because they ran out of bread. You know? You need to know this about biblical times, however. This kind of thing happened all the time. Okay? People traveled from place to place and they, did, they didn't have any Holiday Inn Expresses. <laughs> there was, were no Motel 6s. And, and so people needed a place to stay. It might be a family member or a friend or it could be a complete stranger who would knock on your door in the middle of the night and say, Hey, would you feed my family something? Would you give us a place to stay so that we could continue on our journey? And you would be expected to help them out. In fact, if you didn't, it would bring reproach on you, your family, and even your entire community. So this was something that happened on a regular basis. Everyone hearing this story could easily identify with it because it had probably happened to them. Now let's go back to the man in the house. There's a knock on his door. It's his neighbor needing three loaves of bread to feed an unexpected guest. And the man who is on the inside of the house said, Dude, that's your problem, not mine. My door is already securely shut. 
my family and my kids are in bed with me, and I'm not going to get up just to give you some bread. Now, again, you need to understand, in, in biblical times, people lived in very small houses. In fact, they were one generally one-room homes, not too much bigger than this carpet that I'm standing on. They used that one room to live in during the day. They would come in and eat in that room. And at nighttime, they would roll out the bed or the mats. And everyone in the family, mom, dad, kids, they would all sleep together on the, the pad. It kind of reminds me of, uh, of Grandma Peggy's house. 27 people in Grandma Peggy's little house. People, you had to step over people to, so you wouldn't step on people. That's, that's kind of like it was. And here they all are in this house. And to protect themselves from thieves who might break in, the dad would take a, a big beam and put it across the door. That's what had happened in this current house. So you can understand why the man inside the house doesn't want to get up. He doesn't want to disturb his entire family. You parents know how difficult it is to get your kids to go back to sleep when they've been awakened. He didn't want to have to unlock the door just so he could give his needy neighbor three loaves of bread. So he said, no, leave me alone. But his friend wouldn't. He kept knocking. He kept shouting. The urgent pleading continued until the man finally agrees to open the door and give his friend what he's asking for. So Jesus throws in this life story to drive home the point that our praying needs to be persistent. Our praying needs to be bold. Look at verse 8. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's persistence or boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. What it is that moves this reluctant man to action is the persistence and the boldness of his neighbor's request. What this is about is our praying to God. And so I'm calling it bold praying. Persistent praying. That word, either persistent or bold, depending on which translation you're reading out of, means a shameless begging. It means, I don't care how ridiculous this sounds to you, or even what you may think of me, I am desperate. And so I'm going to keep pleading. I'm going to keep begging. I'm going to keep praying until you give it to me. I briefly said this a minute ago, but let, let me come back and reiterate. If that hasn't already happened in your life, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I guarantee you it will. It will happen. There will come a time in your life when you are in crisis mode. It, it might be the illness of one of your children. It, it could be the sickness of a spouse. It could be that you've lost your job or you find yourself in financial crisis. It could be that you're having marital problems or there is a rebellious teenager. But you will find your life in a crisis situation and you are so desperate, you don't really care how it sounds, you're going to be crying out to God. You're going to be pleading with God. You're not going to be afraid to boldly come before God and beg for His 
meeting your need. Now you may wonder why Jesus would compare his heavenly father to a grumpy, selfish neighbor. Well, this is what we call a contrasting parable. The idea here is not that God is like this man in the house. The idea is that our heavenly father is not like this man in the parable at all. The man said, yes, you are my friend, and yes, you are my neighbor, but you're just pushing the envelope a little too much here. You're stretching the limits of our relationship by asking me so boldly and persistently, but yet it is because you will not go away, and you ask so boldly that I'm going to give you what you're asking for. And Jesus' point here is that if this stingy, grumpy neighbor is that way, how much more will a loving Heavenly Father respond to our boldness and our persistence in prayer? And notice this, that the friend will not just give him the bare minimum of bread. He gives him as much as he needs. It means the bread and everything that goes with it. Here, take three loaves of bread, some peanut butter and jelly. Huh? The point is we can never ask too much of God so long as it's in His will. And then Jesus pulls out the application of this parable about bold praying. Jesus said, you want to know what bold praying looks like? Here, let me show you. Let me show you what bold praying looks like. There are three words I want to use to describe bold praying. Bold praying is persistent praying. Verse 9, Jesus said, So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And for those who seek, they find. And for him who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus uses three words to describe this activity of persistent praying. Ask, seek, and knock. And the tenses of these verbs mean you keep on asking. You keep on seeking. You keep on knocking. And on top of that, with these three words, Jesus describes a process of getting increasingly closer to God. Pressing in on God. You keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking until the door of heaven is open. Let me tell you, persistence in prayer will prevail with God when giving up won't. Keep that in mind. You keep asking God. I know I've told you this story before, but uh, I went through a really, really dark period of uh, a hellish time in my life when we were living in, in Pine Bluff. Things, things would seemingly go from bad to worse. And I can remember staying up at night and praying to God, God, it can't get any worse. And you know what? The next day, it did. It got worse. You know what? I had the best prayer life that I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> because I was in constant need. I would constantly cry out before the Lord. For, for days and weeks and even years, I cried out to God a desperate cry of help. I was persistent. I was bold. You know what? Things didn't get better overnight. Things increasingly got worse. But because I kept praying and was bold and persistent, 
God finally answered. God had not forgotten me. God had never given up on me. When it was in His timing. And when He intervened in such a way where He received all the praise, He did answer. So guys, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't give up. Keep praying. Number two, bold praying is specific praying. We are to ask specifically because God desires to answer our prayers specifically. Look at verses 11 and 12. And again, I'm reading out of the New King James. It gives us the expanded version of this like we read in the other Gospels. But in Luke's actual version of it, 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 it wasn't this detailed. He just gives us bits and pieces of this. But again, I'm reading out of the New King James. And it says in verse 11, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him up a scorpion? Huh? Now, the point that Jesus is making here is when you pray, you need to pray specifically because God is going to answer your prayer specifically. Now, let's go back to the man in our parable. He didn't ask his friend, please help me and provide for my needs. No, he was very specific in what he asked for. He beat on his door and said, I need three loaves of bread. Specific. And then here in verses 11 and 12, Jesus draws another analogy between a child asking his father for certain things. And the son is expecting to get from the father exactly what he's asking for. And isn't that the way we are with our kids? Isn't it? I mean, if our kids need something, not necessarily want something, but if they need something, well, okay, if they want something, we're generally going to give them what they need or what they want, right? Right? Uh, again, live stream, Archers. Hey, guys, great, great meal last night. Candy, thank you for the excellent Mexican food. It was, it was awesome. I'm still thinking about it, you know. Uh, uh, fixed this great Mexican meal, and I just gobbled it up. Zane was sitting to my right. Angie was sitting to my left at the end of the table. And, and uh, Zane, he, he scarfed down a couple of tacos, some nachos. And, but I could tell he had had all the Mexican food he wanted. But he was still hungry, you know. And so he looked at his mom down at the end of the table, and he said, Mom, do you think there are any of those hamburger patties left over from last night in the refrigerator? Because the night before we'd fixed hamburgers and hot dogs. She said, well, I don't know. If, the, if there is any, they're in the refrigerator. And so with that, my son got up, went to the refrigerator, opened it up. Sure enough, there was a bag of some leftover patties, and he held them up to his mom. Yeah, <laughs> Camilla, guess what Angie did? She, she warmed the hamburger patty up, made him a cheeseburger. Because you know what? That's what my boy wanted. And Mama Angie came through, you know? Got him a hamburger. That's what he wanted. That's what he needed. And I guarantee you, if, if your kids need something or want something, and they ask specifically, Dad, I need a Gatorade. 
You're going to give them a Gatorade. Right? I mean, when Angie went to the kitchen, she, she didn't put together a, a scorpion or a snake and a frog and put it on a hamburger bun. It's not what he asked for. He asked for a hamburger, and that is exactly, exactly what she gave to him. Now, here's the question you're wondering. Does that mean that we always get exactly what we ask God for? Certainly not. Certainly not. That's really the mystery of unanswered prayer. There are plenty of examples in the Bible when God didn't answer exactly as His people prayed, nor did God give them exactly what they were asking for. But I can tell you this, when your life is over and we get the chance to look back over the landscape of our own life, we will see that during those times that God did not give us exactly what we asked for in prayer, it really turned out that He gave us something that was better. Right? Oh, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Oh God, dear Lord, I love her so much. I just pray that she loves me forever and that she'll marry me, that we'll be happily ever after. Because, oh, Lord, I love Valerie. You say, wait, hold on, hold on. Who? This is my high school sweetheart. I thought she was the one for me. And let me tell you something. I was devastated when she wrote that Dear John letter to me. It's actually a Dear Will letter. Dear dear Will, you're a loser. And I certainly don't want to spend the rest of my life with you, jerk. It wasn't that bad, but I mean, it was... I felt I was crushed. I cried out, God, no, no, don't let this happen. Please, Lord, she's the one for me. God's up in heaven just laughing and said, no, no. No, you think she's the one for you. You think she's top-notch. You think she's a 10. I'm going to give you a 12. (laughs) You think she's the one. No, 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 no. I've got something better. And there she is. You see what I mean, guys? Just like yesterday, I can remember. No, anyway. And then there's one last thing about bold praying. Not only is it persistent and not only is it specific, it is expectant. Verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, parents, I just want you to think about this. How many things do our kids ask us for during just the period of a day. You know, it doesn't matter how young they are or how old they are. It never stops, does it? They just, con- okay, they just continually ask. When an, when an infant begins to cry because she is hungry, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa are moved into action. And the baby is completely confident that her parents are going to give her a bottle of milk And not drain cleaner. Her parents will give her what is good for her. Not what is bad for her. 
And you never have to be afraid of the answers that God gives to your prayers. Even if God doesn't respond exactly to you as you want Him to or ask Him to. But know this. Whatever He gives is always going to be what's best. Because He loves you. And He cares for you. And He's not going to give you something bad that's bad for you. He's always going to give you the best that you can have. And that's because it's not the what that He gives that's important. It is the who that gives it that's important. And every provision that God makes in your life is in some way a provision of Himself to us. Jesus, more than anyone else, understood this. When He answered the temptation of the devil in the wilderness, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry, so the devil came to Him and tempted Him to turn those stones into bread. But here's what Jesus said to the devil. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the Father. In other words, we need bread, don't we? We need bread to live on. And God knows that. But He also knows that we need Him more. So if you then, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And guys, listen to me. Would you listen? He will. He will give because He loves you. In 1886, the missionary Hudson Taylor was setting out to evangelize 11 provinces in China that had never been visited by missionaries before. There are a lot of people who are fearful, not only for Hudson Taylor, but also for his wife and children, because he was taking them into the interior of China. But this is what he said. I am taking my children with me, and it is not difficult for me to remember that my children need breakfast in the morning, a meal at noon, and then something else to eat before they go to bed at night. Indeed, I could never forget this. And I find it impossible to suppose that my heavenly Father is less tender and less mindful than I. Now folks, if you just let that sink in for a moment, you will come to the realization that if you love your kids and you provide for your kids and you give your kids what they need, just because you're their parent, just because they are your responsibility, how much more will our loving Heavenly Father, who cares for us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die on an old rugged cross to take away our sins, how much more will a Heavenly Father provide for the needs of His children? I'm telling you, He will do it. That's what Jesus is teaching in this parable, in this whole story. You have a need in your life, you boldly bring it before the throne of God. You be persistent, and God is going to answer. Now, He may not give you exactly what you want or what you think you may need, but He loves you so much, He is going to give you what you need the most.
But you've got to ask Him. You've got to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that right now you would give us the opportunity to boldly come before your throne and ask that you, our Heavenly Father, meet our needs. Lord, there may be someone here this morning who has never invited you into their heart. I pray that they would come and pray and ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins and invite you, dear Lord, into their heart. Lord, if there's a Christian who is far away from you today, I pray that they would come and, and repent and get things right with you, Lord. And then, dear Jesus, for the rest of us, Lord, I know for every person that is in this room, there is at least one need in our life that can only be met by you. Probably for most of us, multiple needs. And I pray, dear Lord, that this morning we would understand that, that what you want is for us to boldly come into your presence and just ask that you meet those needs. And so I pray, dear Lord, that the altars would be full today of people doing that very thing, your children crying out to you, asking that you meet the needs in their life. This is what we pray for in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand in